We're continuing our sermon series, Full to the Brim, during this season of Lent, where we're looking at a lot of the, the lectionary passages for this season, but instead of focusing not just on our great need for God, we're focusing on the fullness of God, of how all God has all that we need and provides all that we have. And so this morning we're going to look at two passages of Scripture from the lectionary. The first one from the book of the Psalms, Psalm chapter 27, and that's found on page 437 in your pew Bible, if you'd like to follow along. But before we read that, I invite you to bow your heads and join me in prayer. Gracious and loving God, we come to you now with open hearts, hopeful to hear your word. We pray by the grace of your spirit that the words we hear and the thoughts of our hearts will lead us to your will for all of us as your church and for each of us as your children. Dear God, we love you. We thank you for your love. Amen. So again, Psalm 27. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers assail me to devour my flesh, my adversaries and foes, they shall stumble and fall. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war rise up against me, yet I will be confident. One thing I ask of the Lord that I will seek after to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will set me high on a rock. Now my head is lifted up above my enemies all around me, and I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry. Be gracious to me and answer me. Come, my heart says, seek his face. Your face, Lord, do I seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You who have been my help, do not cast me off. Do not forsake me, O God of my salvation. If my father and my mother forsake me, the Lord will take me up. So teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me in a level path because of my enemies. Do not give me up to the will of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me, and they are breathing out violence. I believe I shall see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong. Let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And then our second lesson from the book of Luke, Luke chapter 13 reading verses 31 through 35. At that very hour, some Pharisees came and said to him, Get away from here, for Herod wants to kill you. He said to them, Go and tell that fox for me, Listen, I am casting out demons and performing cures today and tomorrow, and on the third day I will finish my work. Yet today, tomorrow, and the next day I must be on my way, because it is impossible for a prophet to be killed outside of Jerusalem. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often I have desired to gather your children together, as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you were not willing. See, your house is left to you, and I tell you, you will not see me until the time comes when you say, Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. 
So it is somewhat surprising to me, but my parents often describe me as a fairly stubborn child. Maybe not as surprising to you all. But often when they tell stories about me, they're usually stories that describe how I wanted to do things my way. For example, my mom, mom likes to tell the story of when I tried to run away from her when we were at the beach. As a family, we had all gone to Fernandina Beach, and I was probably around the ripe old age of four or five years old. We had gone with our cousins, and we were walking up and down the beach, because that's what we do when we go to the beach. We walk up and down the beach with our toes in the sand. And it was just before dinner, and my brother and my cousins and I were leading the charge. My mom and my aunts were behind, and finally my mom called and said, it's time to go back in for dinner. My brother and my cousins turned around and headed back in, but I was not through walking. And so I kept right on going. I wasn't ready to come back in. I was old. I was independent. I could take care of myself. Now, this is the part where the stories diverge, where my version of the story changes from the version of my mom. I kept on walking all by myself. I walked for miles. This is my version of the story. I made it all the way. I could almost see Jacksonville from where I was. I was talking to other people, I was independent, I was strong, I was grown up at the ripe old age of four or five. And when I was ready to come back, when I made the decision on my own, I turned around and I started walking back. And eventually I saw my mother who was waiting in the sand and she took my hand and we walked in together. And I confidently and very proudly told my brother how far I had gone all by myself. My mother's version of the story corrected that version. She said, first of all, you didn't go miles. You went several hundred yards more. I knew that if I tried to chase you, you would keep running and I would never catch you. And so I just followed you step by step, yelling out warnings to you. Stay away from the water. Don't touch that jellyfish. Don't pet that strange dog. And I said, no, mom. I'm grown up. I'm strong. I'm independent. I'm all grown up. I can do it myself. And she would say, no, son, you never left my sight. I guess it pays when you have a stubborn child to be a stubborn parent. Sorry, Mom. My mom's sitting right here, by the way. <laughs> Maybe a patient parent is what I should say. When you have a stubborn child, it pays to be a patient parent. Maybe that's what Jesus is getting at with this image that he shares with us in this passage in the book of Luke. Now, there are all sorts of images that we've used uh, and you are familiar with as you read the, the gospel lessons. The image of Jesus as a shepherd, and we are the sheep. The image of God as a father, and we are God's children. The image of Jesus as the bread of life. We use these images to understand who God is and how God relates to us. But this one in this passage is maybe my favorite of all. Jesus uses the image of a mother, a mother hen who cares for her brood. A mother hen who cares for all of her chicks. An image that's purely born out of love. Loving faithfulness that a mother has for her children. The passage begins with a warning. But not a warning from Jesus, a warning from the Pharisees. The Pharisees warn Jesus that he is heading in the wrong direction. He's heading towards Jerusalem and Herod is there waiting on him, ready to kill him. And so they tell him, it's really a warning to say, stop causing a ruckus. Stop causing problems. If you keep doing what you're doing, Herod is going to kill you. But Jesus already knows all this. 
He's been actually moving faster and faster towards Jerusalem. Step by step, if you look back at the beginning of the chapter, he's going from town to town to town, heading towards Jerusalem. He knows where he's going, and he knows it's a dangerous place. In fact, he says Jerusalem is the place where prophets go to die. He knows exactly where he's going. He knows exactly what's waiting on him there. And that's when he starts to lament. He starts to cry, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. Oh, how I just want to be a mother hen who gathers you up in my wings. But you don't listen. He laments, but not for himself. He's not lamenting that he's going to Jerusalem to die. He laments for the people of Jerusalem because they have not heeded his warnings. Because in each and every one of those towns where he has been, he has been warning them. It's time to repent. It's time to listen to God. It's time to stop listening to all these other voices that you're following and following the voice of God. He's barking out these warnings. And Jerusalem keeps saying, no, no, I'm grown. I'm independent. I can do it myself. And Jesus keeps barking to them, repent, the time is now. Turn and listen to God. Don't follow your own way. This is an image of a hen, a mother hen, who wants more than anything else to to gather up her chicks and show them that they are safe, show them that they're protected, show them that they're loved. That's what a mother hen is, in fact. I told you this story several years ago. It's a story that Mark Brewer, who was the interim at my last church, told me, but it's the story of a farmer from his church, one of his churches where he served, who, who had many different prized animals, cows and pigs and, and even chickens, in fact. And one of his favorite, most prized animals was a, a hen, a, a hen that he took to county fairs and state fairs and won many, many blue ribbons. And he loved to show off this mother hen who was just the perfect specimen, I would guess, of what a mother hen should be. One day, tragically, a fire swept through their barn, swept through his farm, and most of the animals got away except for that mother hen. He was walking through the chard and found that mother hen sitting there in the ashes. and He was so hurt, so disappointed. This blue ribbon, this mother hen that was, had gotten so many blue ribbons for him was sitting there not smart enough to save herself. And so in his exasperation, he just kind of kicked the carcass of that chicken, and all of a sudden, seven little chicks scurried out from under. The mother had stayed there to save her children, sacrificed her own life for her babies. This image of Jesus as a mother hen is an image of faithful love, an image born out of love where God tells us, I love you like my children, that all I want to do is gather you up under my wings, show you where you're supposed to go, but for some reason you won't listen. Jerusalem, oh Jerusalem, if you would just follow my voice and go in my direction, I would take you where you need to go. Jesus laments and cries because Jerusalem won't heed his voice. And maybe, just maybe, Jesus laments over us as well. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, faith church, faith church, Brad. Oh, Brad, why can't you just do what I ask you to do? Why can't you just listen to my voice instead of all the other voices? 
We hear that voice, of course, telling us that God loves us, but there's so many other voices out there that worry us even more. We worry more about the cost of things rather than following what Jesus asks us to do. We worry more about our reputation than we worry about following God's voice and God's love. We worry more about uh, whether we're going to hurt our friends, lose family, because we do what God asks us to do rather than doing what they want us to do. The people of Jerusalem were worried about that too. Jesus had been telling the rich people and the powerful people, use your power, use your wealth to help the people in need, but they didn't want to give up on that. He was telling people like you and me, love your neighbor, care for your neighbor as much as you care about yourself, but they didn't want to listen to that voice. Even that voice was crying out to them, I love you, just, just follow my lead, do what I ask you to do, but all of those other voices were far too loud. You all know one of my favorite preachers is a man named Will Williman, and he tells a great story from his own childhood. He, he grew up in a Methodist church in Greenville, South Carolina, not too far where I, from where I grew up, in fact. But in the 1950s and 60s, as he was growing up, a great event happened in Greenville. Billy Graham came and, and preached there at, at, uh, in Greenville, South Carolina. He was going to come and have one of those big crusades that we've seen and he became so famous for. And, and as, as he was coming and, and it was announced, that he was on his way, all the churches in Greenville started canvassing their congregations saying, we should all go. We should go and, 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 and celebrate and worship God with Billy Graham. We want to hear this wonderful preacher. And so churches of all denominations, Baptists, Presbyterians, and Methodists were all clamoring to try to come and get a spot there. Will Williman's pastor wanted his church to go, this big Methodist church in downtown Greenville. And so his pastor got the church together, the church officers, the, church, the governing board, and said, let's decide how we're going to do this. Let's make plans so we can join all these other Christians who are there. And while they were having the conversation, planning bus rides and things like that, someone raised their hand and said, well, you know, Billy Graham's kind of an evangelical, kind of like those Baptists in town. Don't you... Don't you think the Baptists are just going to take credit for all this? Why do we want to go and, and worship beside them? It would probably be wiser for us to do something on our own, a, a Methodist event. We could get credit for it ourselves. We don't want to just go and worship alongside them. So arguments ensued about that, and, and they kept talking about whether it was a good idea, whether it was a bad idea, and then someone else raised their hand and said, well, you've heard the news, haven't you? Billy Graham's not going to follow our segregation laws. He's not going to let there be separate places for white people to sit and black people to sit. He's just going to let people sit together. We can't go and support an event like that, can we? And immediately everyone in the room said, no, no, we can't support an event like that. And so this great big Methodist church in downtown Greenville decided not to go. A little bit later, after the meeting was over, Will was still walking around his church as he spent lots of time at his church, and he heard something from the pastor's office. He walked down there and peered in to see what was going on. His pastor was in there weeping, crying, upset at the decision that this governing board had made. He saw it as an opportunity to break down walls, to worship next to Baptists, to worship next to Presbyterians, and to worship next to people who looked different than him. Church didn't see it that way. It was an opportunity to worship God, to put God first, but church didn't see it that way. They kept marching their own way. And Will Williman realized in that moment, now I see what can make my pastor cry. 
Jesus laments, Jerusalem, oh Jerusalem, if you would just follow me, if you would just go my way, if you would just do it as I call you to do it. But so many other voices are calling us too. And we're grown, aren't we? We're independent. We can do it ourselves. We've got ideas. We can do it on our own. And Jesus, Jesus keeps calling. Jesus keeps calling because Jesus knows that if we just paid attention to that voice, that voice who cries out in love, that voice that cries out in faithfulness, that voice that cries out in devotion, that it could change us. If we stopped worrying about all of those other things that motivate us in our lives and worry about the one thing that should motivate us, God's love, and be faithful to that voice, then we would be different people. We would be who God thinks we can be. Not who we think we can be, but who God thinks we can be. That's the, that's the trouble with mothers. They think we can be a lot better than we think we can ourselves. To listen to that voice and follow that voice could change things. The great poet and writer Maya Angelou tells a great story from her life. Before she became a poet and a writer, she was trying to be a singer and a dancer. I don't know if you knew that. And so when she was in her 20s, back around 1955 or so, she was taking vocal lessons to try to strengthen her voice. It was a tough time in her life. She had just gotten divorced, and she was trying to find her way, trying to figure out who she was supposed to be. And she was taking this vocal class, and her, her teacher was a man named Frederick Wilkerson, who was also a mentor to her, and invited everybody in the class to pick out a reading, to choose their own reading, that they could come to class and read aloud, recite aloud, so that they could practice their voice and train their voice, and he could give them little pointers as they read. Well, Maya Angelou chose a, a reading from a book called Lessons in Truth that had been written by a, an early Christian American author named Emily Cady, H. Emily Cady. She was from the 19th century and written this book, 12 chapters in a book that each chapter just had 30 or 40 tenets or, or bullet points that you could almost memorize, just written sentence by sentence by sentence, one, two, three, four, five, and there were 30 or 40 in every chapter. And so she chose a little reading from this book and decided that would be what she would read. And she got to chapter 3 and was reading the end of it, and this is what she got to, and this is what she said. Chapter 3, tenant 31 says this, Take the thought, God loves me. Think these words over and over continually for a few days, trying to realize that they are true, and see what the effect will be on your body and your circumstances. She read that, and Frederick Wilkerson said, Stop! Read that again. Take the thought, God loves me. Stop. Read that again. God loves me. Stop. Read that again. God loves me. Again. God loves me. Again. God loves me. In that moment, Maya Angelou heard those words maybe for the first time. She thought, could it be true? Could it be that this God who created the mountains, who created the heavens, the stars, the fleas, loves me? And for the first time, she realized if that were true, she realized who she could be. She could be someone who had a voice, a voice that already mattered because she belonged to God. 
Maybe stop and say that to yourself every once in a while. God loves me when you're doubting yourself. God loves me when you're down on yourself. God loves me. Maybe stop and say those words yourself every once in a while. Because those words, that fact, non-negotiable. The fact that God loves you, there's nothing you can do to change that. And if that's your motivation in life, then good news, you're loved. Just be faithful to that. Be faithful to that voice that tells you every day, I love you. Jesus cries out, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, oh, I love you. If you would just gather up under my my wings and do what I tell you to do. After he laments, Jesus wipes his eyes. He keeps heading towards Jerusalem. You know why? Because we keep right on marching too. No matter how many times he barks at us and calls us back, we just keep right on marching because we're big enough. We're old enough. We're independent. We can do it ourselves. Jesus keeps right on following. Jesus keeps right on calling. And that's the good news. That no matter how many times we don't listen to God, God never lets us out of his sight. To the glory of God. Amen.